And hello everyone and welcome to the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I'm Vic Batista along with Nathan Jones. And we're transmitting live from our mobile station here in Hollandale, Florida. And of course, we would like to encourage you to be part of the program today as we want to be looking at the Tribulation Road, a verse-by-verse study in the book of 2 Thessalonians. And today we find ourselves in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as we look about the lawless one. And we're going to answer some questions again regarding who is this lawless one? Well, will he appear? And will the church know who he is? But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. It's a very difficult passage, Second Thessalonians 2. So we ask, Lord, that you'll uh, reveal your will, your mind, your heart to us so that we may grow closer to you in your precious name. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, Nathan Jones. Again, you're tuning to The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy, TV, Radio Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at, again, the Tribulation Road, a verse-by-verse study in Second Thessalonians. And today's program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel Aventura, Calvary Chapel Broward, and The Truth Will Set You Free Ministry. And you can find more information here on www.twave.tv. And, of course, before we continue, I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones to our program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Great to be on, brother. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, super excited, super excited, Nathan. Every t- every time that we are able to get together, I-, I get so excited to hear you all the way from Texas. So how are things there in Lamb Lion and also the weather in Texas? Here in Florida, it's been really nice, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, same here. we got uh, strong winds that usually come with the transition in seasons, but uh, the folks here in Lamb Lion Ministries are doing very well. Thank you. Let's uh, uh, be a good segue if someone doesn't know who Lamb Lion Ministries is. It's uh, very <laughs> Nonprofit parachurch organization. In other words, we come beside churches and help them teach God's prophetic word. The 31% of the Bible it is Bible prophecy. So folks can check us out on our website at landline.com or christandprophecy.org. There they can watch our television show, Christ and Prophecy. And of course, it's on stations like the Church Channel, Daystar, and TVN all over the world. And we got articles, uh, materials, newsletters, social networks, you name it. We want to teach you Bible prophecy. Come check us out. Also come to twave.tv where Vic's got his Calvary Chapel School of Bible Prophecy. And tons and tons of archives. Brother, you are one busy man when it comes to recording shows. Thank you, Nathan. Well, I have to keep up with you guys because you do such an excellent job. <laughs> you. And, and you know, Nathan, I have to say also, I want to give a shout out. You have been putting up this incredible uh, 30 second or one minute videos that are just phenomenal. Can you talk to us briefly about that, those resources as well? And also this Genesis movie that's coming out? Well, we wanted to make a series of computer-animated one-minute Bible prophecy insights, is what we call them. And they're basically to teach somebody just an insight into Bible prophecy and then bring them back to our website where they can learn more. Our computer animator, uh, Ralph Stream, has, uh, we haven't made them in, in uh, a little while now. Longer than I wish we had some more. But right. he is busy on a movie called Genesis 3D. It's an wow. entire computer animated movie about Genesis chapters 1 through 3 about creation. They have many creation scientists like Ken Ham and, and uh, evangelists like Ray Comfort on it, teaching what the Bible teaches about the creation and the problems with evolution. And brother, check it out Genesis 3D. It'll blow your mind. The animation is so beautiful, it's so professionally done. And I'm excited for this movie to get out of theaters. Woo, so am I. And I want to thank you for uh, posting those on Facebook. That's really exciting. For those of you that are actually watching us live, 
Yes, we have our TV edition up and running. You can see that information there on the back screen on landline.com. So you can check out the website and just all the wonderful things that is taking place there at Landline Ministry. Just a lot of incredible resources, videos, and just everything else. And Nathan, also the conference is coming up this year. And that's another great resource where churches can get involved, right? Yes, uh, we have our annual Bible Prophecy Conference the second weekend of July. Folks can check that out again on our website at ChristinProphecy.org or landline.com. It's the great debate of Bible prophecy. Dr. Reagan, who's our founding director, and myself and some others, speakers like Dr. Ron Rose and uh, Dennis Pollock, they're going to be there and we're going to be teaching some of the major debates that are involved in Bible prophecy. Folks can check us out when you said churches get involved. If you don't want to come to Dallas, and I assume you don't want to come all the way from Miami, we're <laughs> streaming it live, and folks can watch it from their homes, their Bible studies, their churches. And I encourage churches to sign up and, and, and be part of this. It's free. You don't have to pay for anything. You can have your own Bible prophecy conference right in your church. And that reminds me, when we talk about great debates of Bible prophecy, what we want to tackle today in 2 Thessalonians 2 is some of the most debated topics when it comes to Bible prophecy. So, my brother, I think we have our workout for us. Well, Nathan, I agree with you. And, you know, it's funny, as we were talking about having our workout out for you, I was actually just plugging something in here because, man, every time we do this program, there's always a little bit of warfare that comes with it. So we are going to be tackling a very important subject matter. And uh, you know what, Nathan? I'm very excited because right now we're in the middle of this political debate as a country. Uh, we have different individuals that are rising into power, and there's a lot of talk out there regarding who these people are, who could they possibly be. And the good thing is that we know certain things are lining up prophetically, uh, but we need to also correct some erroneous uh, misunderstandings out there about certain things that are happening. So I'm so glad that we're going to be looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because we'll have an opportunity to talk about that. And Nate, just real quick, last week we covered... 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Can you briefly maybe give us a quick synopsis of some of the things that we talked about just in case someone out there is not familiar with the passage? Well, certainly. Uh, 2 Thessalonians obviously is Paul's second letter to the church in Thessalonica as 2 Thessalonians. It was a church that he started. He wasn't able to stay very long, a few weeks to a few months before the Jewish people in the city drove him out. And, uh, but he was still sending uh, messengers back with letters to continue to teach them. And so we got this second letter, and he is teaching them about, in the chapter 1, about God's final judgment and his glory. And so he's trying to remember, remind the church, this young church that's facing severe persecution for the new God's faith, how the end uh, will be, how Jesus will be victorious, and he will be defeated and sent to hell. And it's very important to have this big picture view of God's <clears throat> plan for the ages because when we have the big picture view, the troubles in life, our daily troubles, seem so minor in comparison and it puts it in perspective. And that was, that's what Paul's trying to do here. Excellent point. And Nathan, we also see again that all throughout the scriptures over and over, we see highlighting the coming of the Lord, almost like a word of encouragement for people. Can you take us now through 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as we continue in the tribulation road? All right. Well, as we get closer to the tribulation, and of course this might have been, you know, almost 1900 plus years ago, so we're still staying close, but Paul's going to give us some uh, points, some signs of the end times Jesus did in Matthew 24 and other chapters that let us know that we're getting, we actually are getting very close to this, this time of tribulation that's coming. So, 
here's Paul, and uh, let's just do the first four verses, because if we take too big of a section, then there's just too much to cover. Each, each verse, brother, is, is totally packed. So uh, let's start uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the fall on the way comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Woo! That's, uh, you know, Nathan, and here we find, of course, this individual that is coming, and uh, some there was a little bit of a misunderstanding there regarding the events because when you open up for us in verses 1 and 2 obviously Paul was writing to correct some erroneous teachings right he was uh, the, the young church had gotten scared that they were living in a time period called the tribulation in other words the daily sufferings that they were facing for the name of Christ right. they were confusing with uh, the big tribulation capital T this time period, what Daniel called it, his 70th week, his 70th week, where God will pour out judgment on the world for its sins in order to bring a remnant of people to accept him as Savior right. and to return and set up his kingdom. And we know that it will be seven years, and we know that it will be in the future and it will be related to certain events. So this church had believed, was believing that, oh no, we're suffering, therefore we must be living during that time period. And brother, there's even believers today look at the suffering around the world and they say, well, we must be living in the tribulation. Right. But are we really? And you know, Nathan, that's a good point because when we look at the book of Revelation, right? And I mean, when you look at Revelation chapter 6 and on, it talks about really what's going to be happening in the tribulation. And there's nothing like that happening today. Yes, yesterday we have the terrible terrorist bombing. We know that there's terrible things happening, but nothing compared to the catastrophes in the book of Revelation from 6 and on, right? Yeah, there's 21 judgments of God that will befall the world, and there will be, you'll know that we're living in the tribulation if we were to live in there. But here, Paul's saying, no, don't be shaken in mind or body. In other words, don't worry about it. The Lord, and then it talks to him about gathering together to him. In other right. words, the rapture of the church, which Paul talked about earlier in 1 Thessalonians 4. In other words, that one day Jesus will come and he will take those who have accepted him Savior off this earth and we will meet him in the clouds and there we will then be with the Lord forever. And he's saying, don't worry, we're not in the tribulation. And you would know if we were in the tribulation because Christ would have come first and taken us before that happens. And so they're worried that they're living in the tribulation. Brother, I encounter so many people that believe that either we are in the tribulation, thanks to the Aaronist right. teachings of Urban Baxter and others, or that we will live into the tribulation. Now, why do people think we'll live into the tribulation? Because, as we read in verse 3, it gives us some, Paul gives us some points that says this is what to look out for. One, the man of sin or the son of perdition to be revealed. And we know that is the Antichrist. That's another name for the Antichrist. And he, Paul even gives a time. He says he poses and exalts himself above all that is called God, and he sits as God in the temple, and, and that he demands worship. Now, in Revelation, 
we know that when the Antichrist enters the temple, he will set himself up to be God, called God, he'll set up an image of himself to be worshipped, and he will cause what's called the abomination of desolation. And we know from Revelation that happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. Exactly. Three and a half years into it. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, and Daniel talked about it as well. So immediately people say, oh my word, that's three and a half years into the tribulation. That means Christians will have to live three and a half years into the tribulation before they are raptured and rescued out of that. And so when you read this portion of scriptures and you don't read any other scriptures, you come to the conclusion that there will be a mid-tribulation rapture. Excellent point. And you know, Nathan, and this is exactly why, and of course, good Christians uh, differ on this. And I also tell people, look, the church of God does not need to be divided <laughs> over this because uh, we know we're going to be right uh, when we're at the rapture. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the reality is, they have different viewpoints, and, and uh, a lot of it is just misunderstandings or correctly appropriating scriptures, scriptures, right, Nathan? Because it's so easy to take things out of context when we read things into it that are not, are not there. Wonderfully said, out of context. Sure, if we read this and we said, oh, great falling away, in other words, the church goes apostate, and we're living in a time of the latency in church, where the church is going apostate, a great falling away, and we're looking towards a time where the Antichrist will be revealed. It looks like the world is really pushing towards a one-world government, and that means a one-world leader, and that we know the Bible says is the Antichrist. So you're right. If we look at this section, and we just take it by itself, it would indicate that, well, that means then that we have to be living through the first three and a half years into the tribulation. But I'm going to debunk that idea, but before I do, let's go through the rest of verses 5 through 12, because that's going to give us more information, and then let's back up and show where Paul isn't saying, hey, yeah, you guys are going to be living through the tribulation, at least half of it. He's not saying that at all. Excellent point, Nathan. Yes, go ahead and take us through that. Okay, verse 5 goes, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the law is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume at the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and blind wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. They should believe the lie, and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but a pleasure in unrighteousness. Mm, excellent passage. And you know, Nathan, we opened up with those three questions regarding this man that is coming. Again, who is he and when will he appear? And, and, and will the church uh, know who he is? So yeah, talk to us a little bit about this. Okay, so when this one world leader, this Antichrist comes, uh, Paul is saying, one, there will be a great falling away. Now, depending on how one interprets falling away, and uh, Tommy Ice, Dr. Tommy Ice, is a, has a great article on the pretrib.org website yes. where he explains falling away might not mean apostasy, but might mean the rapture, a falling and catching up to Christ. Uh, people can check that out for themselves. But I, I think more, when you look at the context, he's actually talking about apostasy here, but you know, who and I argue with a theologian? 
but but it, it's pretty clear. I think it's just falling away from the numbers of falling away from the faith. Okay, the Antichrist exalts himself in the temple, which we know he will do at the midpoint of the tribulation. Exactly. But then Paul goes on. He says, "Do you know that then there's a restraining influence on the world?" Mm -hmm. Now, and it uses the key and capitalizes and what it's talking about here. I believe is the Holy Spirit working through the church. Yes. In other words, as long as God's restrainer is on the earth, the Antichrist cannot come, the world cannot reach its full, full potential of evil like it will in the tribulation. And therefore, he's talking about the Holy Spirit's work through the church. Now, once the church is gone, the restraining will be gone, and the full wrath of Satan and his power will be revealed on the earth, and then God through his punishments and wrath as well. So we've got that. And it also goes on to say, uh, after giving us comfort that, hey, the Antichrist will be destroyed by God's power in amazing ways, but that the lawlessness one will come will be working for Satan. And he will be amazing, man. He will come with this great power, <laughs> of great signs, of mind wonders. I mean, he'll do all these amazing things and people will be oohed and odd. He'll be like a, a cult leader and everyone will think he's the best thing. Right. When he comes, and he will come and people will believe him and reject God. And God, as a result, will then give people who reject him a delusion, and we call it a strong delusion, yeah. that they will believe the lie of everything Satan says through this Antichrist so that they may be condemned. In other words, they turn their hearts like Pharaoh did in the Exodus against God, mm -hmm. and therefore God hardens the hearts of the people. So we got all these different things coming that revolve around the Antichrist coming. Yes, and that's what we're saying. This is a very difficult passage, and there's a lot of different views uh, regarding this, but I think you've made a great point by pointing out there in verse 7, he. Now, that is important because it's talking, and I, I'm in agreement with you, Nate. I really believe that here is a reference to the influence of the Holy Spirit in the church, right? We are the salt of the earth with the city set on the hill, Matthew chapter 5, where that influence, and once the church, that influence power is taken out, I mean, really, what's going to happen to this world? Look, I mean, Nathan, look at the world now with the church here. Can you imagine where we're gone? Uh, well, I don't have to. I can read Daniel and Revelation, and you see how right. terrible the world will get. Imagine ripping off the veneer of society. It'd be like some post-apocalyptic yes. television show, like The 100 or Terminator or something. And it'll be just like that. The, the zombies. <laughs> yeah, but almost. Uh, you know, get a wonder why everyone's so obsessed with zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And these people are almost like zombies in that they, they believe this delusion and, and they follow whatever the Antichrist says. But, but let's get back to, will the church have to endure the tribulation? Well, I think we found our first argument here is Paul saying, no, the Antichrist needs to be revealed first. Now, right. if you stay in 2 Thessalonians 2, you'll say, oh, well, the Antichrist will be revealed at the temple when he desecrates it. For one... There is no Jewish temple yet. It hasn't been built yet, so we cannot be living in the tribulation now. Two, is that we have to look at all of Scripture, not just a section. And you can go back to Daniel 9. Right. Daniel 9 reveals that the Antichrist will be revealed when he makes a peace treaty with Israel. That is the beginning of the seven years. Not the middle of the tribulation when he breaks the covenant three and a half years later. So, Paul knows this, I mean, he's an expert in, in all the Bible, he has taught it, that the people who are reading this know from Paul's teaching of Daniel, that Daniel said, 
the Antichrist would be revealed when he makes a peace covenant with Israel, not when he sets himself up in the temple. That's three and a half years later. So, again, the mid-tribulation rapture doesn't fit because you have to take all scriptures in context. Excellent point. And that's why there's some erroneous teachings. Some, actually, some people actually believe that the tribulation starts with the rapture of the church, but not really. That can happen at any moment, even way before the signing of the peace treaty. Exactly. I grew up believing that the rapture, ding, day one, that's the, you know, that starts the tribulation. That's not the case. Now, to take the church out and the Holy Spirit's work through the church and then allow mankind to live out whatever evils they want, mankind would quickly kill themselves. So I don't Absolutely. believe the rapture is going to be too far uh, right. separated from the beginning of the tribulation. Yes. But uh, again, the, the rapture of the church, I believe, is, is when you look at the passage that we are protected from the wrath of God, that the church doesn't have to endure the tribulation. And we know for a fact the tribulation is the full seven years because from all 21 judgments, it's Jesus Christ who opened the very first seal judgment yes. and all the other seal judgments. The trumpet judgments come from the throne room of God. The bold judgments come from the, from the altar of God. All these things happen by Jesus Christ. So we know the entire tribulation, all seven years, is God's wrath upon the world, not just the last three and a half years. Excellent point, Nathan. And you know, I always see uh, always a call for repentance, that God is so gracious. There, verse 11 and 12, it seems to me, Nathan, again, and for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. And some people, uh, you know, they, they toy around with the idea, well, uh, if, if I saw all these things coming, then I'll get saved. Like, they, like they're really going to be able to do it. And I'm saying... Man, if people are not coming to the Lord now with as many Bibles and teachers and, and programs that we're doing, when this strong delusion comes, do they really think that they're sort of going to make it through this, right, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> well, this brings up another big debate in Bible prophecy, verse 11 and 12, and that is, well, if you are not saved before the rapture I, yeah. and then the Antichrist comes, will that mean that you have no chance of getting saved? Right. In other words, will you fall for the strong delusion so that you'll be condemned? And so there's a big debate uh, in Bible prophecy. Yes. Is that the case? I tend to believe no, because we can read in other passages where the Bible says, and especially in Revelation, that every tribe, tongue, nation, and people will have people, a remnant, give their lives to Jesus Christ. We yes. see them martyred, they're standing before the throne of God after they've been killed by the Antichrist, and they're worshiping the Lord. So we know that there will be a tremendous soul harvest during the tribulation. But... I think for those people who have already set their hearts against God, and I'm talking about the militant atheists of today, the, yeah. the most radical Islamic uh, jihadists, you know, those people who, have, who refuse to believe in the truth and accept yes. the lie that God will, like Pharaoh, harden their hearts into the tribulation, and it's those people who won't have a chance to accept Jesus as Savior. Yes, Nathan, and, and I'm in agreement with you, and there is a lot of debate, and that's why I say to people, why toy around with the idea, come to Christ now, if he's giving you an opportunity, right, Nathan, we're talking to that person that is watching the program, you that are listening, you that are listening to a voice right now, uh, in March uh, 23rd, uh, 2016, God has prepared this message for you because he loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life, and you need to recognize that if you harden your heart, the opportunities, like Pharaoh, will be gone, right, Nate? I agree, and that's why 
Paul urges the church in Thessalonica to stand fast, verse 13. He says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, we love by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the attainment of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who loved us mm. and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Wow, talk about a word of encouragement right there, Nathan. That is a lot. <laughs> it is. Again, the people are scared, brother. And even today, I run into so many people who read Second Thessalonians 2, and they immediately like, oh no, I'm going to go through their tribulation, I'm going to suffer and die hardly at the hands of the Antichrist. And there will be people who, <clears throat> after the rapture, they're left behind. Right. They, unfortunately, once they've accepted Christ, will have to face the Antichrist, but not the church. We are the restrainer. We are what's taken out yeah. before, as Daniel said, the Antichrist comes and makes the desolation that causes abomination. Uh, but first, creates the peace treaty with the Antichrist that starts the seven years. And that's when there's a lot to give thanks for Paul saying here, you know? He says, God chose you for salvation, and he's yeah. sanctifying, in other words, making you pure by the Holy Spirit, and he's causing you to obtain glory one day through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so hold on to traditions. In other words, hold on to the gospel that Jesus gave you so that you can stand strong against everlasting uh, um, damnation by uh, following the Antichrist, which we won't have to worry about. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we'll have consolation instead, everlasting consolation and good hope. And we should find comfort in that. Verse 17, comfort your hearts. So, brother, uh, Paul is, I think, giving a great word of encouragement, and we should share that encouragement with others in this dark day. Ooh, praise the Lord. And you know, Nathan, I just, I, every time I see these words, it reminds me how Paul says, in verse 15, stand fast. In other words, put on the whole armor of God. And, and, he, and also consolation or comfort. Uh, a few weeks ago, you closed us there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another uh, with these words. In other words, this is, these are words of comfort. It's not for the Christian. We're not to fear. We're not to worry. We're not to be concerned. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord is going to rescue us out of these things. Exactly. I mean, what comfort would there be if God says, yes, you're going to have to fight and, and suffer and die in the tribulation, a horrible, mutilating death. Uh, take yeah. comfort in that. What? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Again and again, Paul and, and, and Christ gave verses that to give us encouragement that the church won't have to endure the tribulation. I refer to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through uh, 18 and, and uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 10 and 5 9, right. Romans 5 9, Ephesians 5 6, Colossians 3 4, and especially Revelation 3 10, that we will not have to live during the tribulation. Brother, that's comfort, that's assurance that we will not have to suffer under the wrath of God and the Satan's wrath and man's wrath that also befalls that time period. And so, in other words, I think that Paul's entire message here in chapter 2 is chill out. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, chill out. Don't worry, you're not living in the tribulation. Chill out. I love that. And you know, for you that are tuned in, again, you're tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, and we're just rejoicing because God has a wonderful plan for your lives. Listen, we'd love to pray for you. 321-END-TIME, 321-363-8463, or 305-992-9537. Those of you who follow us on Facebook, 
You can also blog there uh, or chat with us. We would love to pray with you. We want to encourage you to come to Christ. And, and you know, Nathan, maybe we could do that right now because someone out there needs comfort. They Maybe they don't sense peace today for whatever reason. Maybe they're thinking about the terrorist attack that occurred just yesterday and some other things. But we can find peace as we come to Christ. And maybe, Nathan, you can lead someone in a way where they can come to Christ right now and, and experience that peace and that comfort. Well, if you feel and tug it in your heart, you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you. He's calling you to accept His Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior. Mm -hmm. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. In other words, the punishment of your rebellion against God didn't fall on you. It fell on Him when you accept Jesus as Savior. Mm -hmm. and, and that's amazing, too. I think that through all of history, as we read here in 2 Thessalonians 2, that God has looked for you. Since the beginning, He chose you for salvation, but you need to respond in faith and pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And Jesus promises to do just that. He'll forgive you of your sins. You'll be free from the guilt. And you too can share that great hope, that great comfort that you'll be with Jesus forever in heaven. Ooh, awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan Johnson. Yes, it is that simple. It's just trusting in the Lord, repenting from your sins, and God will grant you eternal life because He loves you. Wow, Nathan, again, uh, an incredible passage, but thank you so much for making it not so tough, Nate. Well, it is a very, very tough <laughs> passage. I hope I've helped a little, but again, I encourage people to study, get in the Word, understand the whole of Bible prophecy, not just take little bits and pieces out, and your understanding of God's loving plan for you yes. will be made more known. Ooh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. And of course, we want to thank you all for tuning into the program. I want to encourage you every week, be a good student of biblical prophecy. Tune into our programs here, this uh, live television uh, radio school of ministry, so that you guys will not be deceived with all the deception that is coming. So we, we thank you for your prayers and we thank you for being part of our program. And again, we want to thank you for just uh, every week standing here with us in these last days. And of course, uh, Nathan Jones, I want to thank you for always being able to bless us here in our program. It's great to have you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. You too, brother. Thanks. Uh, Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. Again, 321 end time, 321-363-8463. If you need a prayer or a question for us, we'd love to hear from you. The rest of you, have an incredible week. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is coming back very, very soon. Have a great day.